Okay, let's be honest now. It's just you and me. How many of us really started out to be entrepreneurs? I know I didn't. And most of us find ourselves, you know, we're really good at what we're doing. We're good technicians. We're charging hard, whatever industry we're in. And then all of a sudden we start having success and we're, we're kind of forced into the entrepreneurship. Now, some of us do a better job than others. And I've got a very special guest. She did not sign up to be an entrepreneur. And I've asked her to share the story of how she became an entrepreneur. But I got to tell you, uh, she is one of the most talented entrepreneurs out there. And I want you to see not only her experience getting to there, but the lessons learned. Stay tuned. Ordinary success? No way. You want amazing, remarkable, exceptional breakthroughs. Dig deep, think bold, drive hard. Watch yourself soar beyond your dreams. AESNation.com Sally Colocho. Sally, I am so excited to have you here. I don't get many entrepreneurs that I get the privilege of interviewing in your industry. Uh, and you know, just in the pre-call, you told me if we go in the wrong direction, you might have to take me out. So we're going to stay because you're in an industry that's high security. So we've got to stay focused on this. But first of all, Sally, thank you very much for joining us. Oh, John, I'm really happy to be here. It's, it's, I think it's really fun to look back and see how we built what we built and how I got here. And so talking to you is reminding me of all of that. And you get so caught up with the day-to-day -day of what's going on now that you forget what, you know, how you got there. And I think it's a really fun story and a really fun thing to look back at and understand why things are going so well. And, and one of the things we want to do that, too, is to inspire others because, you know, the challenge is Sally and I are in strategic coach together and uh, we have a, a mutual coach, Dan Sullivan, who's become a good friend for both of us. And I was asking Dan, who would be somebody out there that really has a great story inspired that I don't know? And uh, he goes, just points, Sally. <laughs> and so we were a group of 50 people. And so, you know, the, the idea of this is this is kind of a virtual mastermind group where we want to share experiences, learn lessons so that we can help each other be even more successful with our clients. We want to make a difference. And Sally, you know, you, I mean, I always think of the financial services industry as kind of a guy's industry. And, you know, as a woman uh, in the defense uh, industry, I mean, in kind of the, you're in the, the missile radar side and, uh, you know, that's not one that you think of uh, someone in Huntsville, Alabama, hanging out. And there's a lot of guys there. I've been there. There's a lot of guys in that industry. Um, to give us a little of the backstory before we get into lessons learned. How did you sh get there? Because that's not the normal path. All right, so um, I studied math and computer science in school, had a dual major, um, also had a dual minor of French and Spanish, so that doesn't even go together. I <laughs> lots of interest, but I never thought that I would have an interest in business itself. 
Um, and I, my first job out of school was in um, the area of petroleum engineering. I got a job in Denver writing models and simulations for that industry. And about five months in, I get a phone call from a friend of mine who had been a classmate in college. And he said, look, I'm in Huntsville, Alabama. We're doing some really cool work with missiles and rockets and, and the defense industry. And I think you'd enjoy it. We need your talents. Why don't you come join us? And I said, sure. And I packed up my bags, moved to Huntsville, Alabama, not knowing what was here, thinking Alabama, really. I'm from Louisiana. So I understand, okay. you know, what I was going so to you there. Knew, you knew a little <laughs> bit about the South then. So I knew it was about okay. the South, but I knew more about New Orleans, Lafayette, Great Right, food, yeah. There, and there, there is a difference between those two. Two areas. Right, right. So, but actually, northern Alabama is very different from the rest of the state in that mm -hmm. there, there are so many people who are, we call them imports. There's so many engineers here because of the history with Von Braun and the whole rocket industry here. I mean, we, I drive down the road every day on the way to work and I pass a full size model of the Saturn V rocket. And inside a building, there's a real one, one of three in the world right now, actually in a building for us to enjoy. My, my daughter's prom was actually underneath that <laughs> rocket. Um, so anyway, so I moved here right away and started doing what I was doing before, modeling and simulation, writing uh, complex models in uh, different software languages. Uh, to test things, to analyze data for this industry. And um, I did that uh, over the course of, you know, almost 20 years for two different companies. And um, I loved it. And it just so happened that I, the, the work I did always fell under the radar um, realm. We've got lots of different system and sensor expertise in this area. Uh, we network lots of different sensors to build the shield for, for the missile defense. And um, I just happened to always run into work that had to do with radar, so I, I just naturally stayed there. Um, the way I actually came into the business world was we were working for a smaller company out of California that had started an office in Huntsville, and we actually were able to grow that office to about 80, 90 people. And then at that point, the company was purchased by a large aerospace firm. Well, I had been working on a project to do a different type of testing for algorithms and techniques that were um, being brought in as new candidates for, for expanding and making our systems more robust. And I basically invented a new way of testing this by using better simulations, better computer equipment, and just a different methodology. And when this, this large aerospace firm purchase this company, we realized right away, well, this contract can't stay here. They can't test their own systems. It will be a conflict of interest and the government will have to reaward this contract somewhere else. Well, obviously, I wanted to keep doing the work I had kind of, you know, pioneered in that testing realm. And uh, we just saw the opportunity and I said, let's, let's do it. And looking around, uh, we thought actually that the contract would be uh, put out on the street too fast for us to build something from scratch. So I looked around and found someone who was already in business, but hadn't been in business for very long. So they hadn't grown very much. Let me yet. stop you just for a second, okay. Sally, because I want to just take a temperature now, you know, because as entrepreneurs, I mean, you know, opportunities show up. Okay. And that wasn't something that you saw coming. It just, it kind of happened, it sounded like. But I want to go kind of, what, what was the emotion as you were doing this? Was it 
you know, of excitement? Was it trepidation? You know, where were you as you're, because now you had been a, you know, a great, I'm going to call technician. I mean, extremely talented and senior one, but you were a technician. You were great at your art. And all of a sudden now, you know, you're, you're, you're putting on a different hat. Um, right. I, th I think what happened at that point, I think had circumstances been any different, I might not have jumped, but I was never afraid. I was very confident because the program I had been working on, this, this, this project, was very visible in Washington. I had been briefing, you know, rooms of hundreds of people on what we were doing. We were very successful at it. And I was feeling very, very confident in what I was doing. And it's, I, di I didn't even see that there was anything to be afraid of. There, there was no fear. And I think it was just a, by, by virtue of my confidence in the work that I was mm -hmm. currently doing, that that technical work made me so confident that I didn't even cringe at the thought of doing something I'd never well, done. That's great. So you're, you've, got, you've got this now and you're beginning to have conversations with someone because of the timing you know, to, that already has got at least a foundation that you could run on. So why don't you take it from there? How did it come together then? So, I mean, we, we actually had offers from lots of different companies who realized the same opportunity I was seeing. And, but I, if I was going to do this, I really wanted to be an equal part of whichever partners we brought together. So um, when we approached uh, the, the, the decibel research at the time, it was already formed, um, we put forth this idea, let's come in all as equal partners. There were four of us originally to, 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 to start this. And uh, everybody realized the potential and said yes. And so we, we started there. And um, we just started to grow very quickly. Within six, seven months, uh, we won the contract that, that we were looking at. Um, but even before that happened, we already had other work coming in because we had very capable people, very well-known people with lots of skills and expertise that the customers wanted. So they were already giving us small task orders to start working for them as consultants, as analysts. And so there, I, ne I never missed a day of work. No, and that, well, that's great. And Sally, how did, you know, one of the things, uh, you know, uh, there's that difference from kind of being doing, you know, a very small team of doing work. And then, you know, we, we were talking, you've grown now to 120 engineers. So I, I, don't, I don't think anybody's going to call that a small team. And right. it's an awful lot of talent. And they're, you know, why they're talented individuals and all that. There's leadership and management. I mean, how, how did you, you know, how did you learn that on the fly uh, as you and your partners were building the business? So yeah, I, I remember the early days, you know, it, we rented space and it seemed like every few weeks we were having to renegotiate to get extra space and as we were doing that, we were running networks and we didn't have an IT department. We had, a, we had some engineers who were basically engineers who did math and science, we didn't do hardware and um, most of our cable was done by our CFO. <laughs> <laughs> He was running cable in the ceilings while we were trying to just get our work done. Uh, but we quickly saw that all you have to do is hire an expert and they will do the job. And so we quickly found people to work in all of those areas. And um, instead of trying to do it all ourselves, we said, when we have a need, let's hire the right person to fill this need. 
and uh, we we actually found great people. And we this year we were celebrating the company's 11th anniversary, and we've already given out plaques for I believe it's about eight or nine. 10 year anniversaries for people. And that's not including uh, the founders or the, the original partners in, in, in the company. No, uh, that is so great. I mean, the, you know, the, the one thing I, I want to, for our fellow entrepreneurs, uh, you know, I've had the privilege of interviewing an awful lot of people on the different programs we're doing. Plus uh, I've worked with fellow entrepreneurs as, you know, financial kind of a personal chief financial officer for a lot of very successful entrepreneurs. And, the one thing, Sally, that I see that you did, and you said it kind of, you know, just, of course we did it this way, is if there wasn't something we knew, we just hired the expert at it. And I think so many entrepreneurs, particularly early stage, uh, feel that they have to do everything on their own. Now, you know, sometimes you have to pull cable. I, I One of my businesses, I pulled the cable too, so I do know how to do that. Okay, but, you know, there's bootstrapping, but then when you know, you're getting traction and you, can, you, you need to bring in the right talent to help you. And uh, uh, how, how did you find the talent uh, to help you in the different areas? Well, I mean, we ha I had been in Huntsville since 1988. So if you do the math, and you did call me a young woman before, so you know I started when I was four. Um, but <laughs> we, we had all been in this industry, in this area, for long enough that we knew people, and they knew us. And I have to say, we've never had an issue having people come to us saying, when you have an opportunity, I want to work with you guys. We've, we've built a great culture in the company. People enjoy the teamwork we've put together. And um, we've, since we've been here, we know the people, we've seen them. Most of the people we were able to bring in are people we had worked with before. Yeah, that's, uh, that's where it's so powerful having a network and being involved in the community, uh, you know, in your industry and so on, so that you can really find those people. And they're proven versus somebody who raises their hand and says they're an expert because... I don't know about you, but I've hired some who said they were expert early on, and they weren't. And it, that's a real problem. Right. Uh, they cause more trouble. But let, let's go a step further because you know not only have you guys built a great business, but you know recently you're sharing with me that you went through a restructuring, and you know, um, and and when you do those things, I mean, this as entrepreneurs, I mean, you seize the opportunity, which I love. Uh, you know, you're opportunistic, and you ran with it. Uh, then, you know, you, you, you've done this great job of, you know, finding the right talent to pull together so you accomplish. Well, you know, as you grow, then, you know, different people want different things. There, there's a need for different capital structures and so on. How, how did you, you know, decide to do this and how, how did it work out going through this process? So in the past, we had basically worked off of our um, expertise and, and people knew us, and that's mostly how we got into new areas of business, and we were growing quite well. Um, we had taken a little bit advantage of being small business. Uh, obviously, there are a few programs for federal work where there's uh, small business innovative research contracts. We had some of those, but our main focus was not getting work as a small business. Our main focus was getting really uh, challenging problems to solve. Um, so we were at the point where a couple of our uh, a couple of our owners were ready to not be fully vested in the company anymore. 
Um, they still wanted to work. They still wanted to be engaged technically, uh, but they, that's not where their retirement plans were taking them. Mm -hmm. And so we were looking at what, what do we do? And we actually went through and restructured. And at the end of the restructuring, we came out as a woman-owned business. Um, actually, I, I, I was the one who initially suggested this. I saw, again, it's, it's I don't know what it is about the, the, uh, the atmosphere when that happens, but the, the idea just came up. I said it out loud and everybody's like, yes, we can do this. And um, what's interesting about that is, uh, as I told you earlier, the federal government seems to think that uh, women are disadvantaged. So uh, they give you there. There are lots of programs in place to to um, help businesses who are women owned. There are also some contracts that are set aside for women owned businesses. So this is really giving us a great position to um, expand the areas where we're working and actually get into some um, good relationships with larger companies who can teach us how to go after the larger contracts, how to manage those, and how to put in processes that will help us um, uh, follow through with any larger contracts that would come in. No, that's uh, great, Sally. I mean, again, it's a kind of a seize the moment type thing. And uh, yeah, one of the things that you and I were talking about is unfair competitive advantage. And I'm all about getting oh, unfair <laughs> competitive advantages. I, you know, I, I would prefer the government not get, get it, that we do it. But, I mean, you restructured, you saw that that's the, the way the game is played. You know, as a woman, you know, I mean, in the South, in an industry that's not known for women leaders, um, how has that worked for you? I mean, as... You know, I, I'm a big believer, you know, I'm kind of in Silicon Valley where, you know, even tech, I'm in finance where it's certainly, you know, there are very few women leaders. And in technology, there's all kinds of press right now that, you know, women are underrepresented. And, you know, I've always looked at it as, he's, I wonder whoever's the best there. And uh, you, you've earned this role, but how, how has it been both internally as a woman leader and then externally too in the industry and uh, with the government? So day-to-day uh, -day, throughout the years that I've worked, yes, you run into the occasional, you know, someone assumes you're in the room that you must be the one that's going to make the copies or get the copy. I've had a couple of those, but not a lot. Uh, the bigger ones for me were going to, you know, large meetings in Washington, maybe at the Pentagon, where I have a visitor badge. So when you have a visitor badge, you have to be escorted everywhere, which is not a big deal until the 20 men at the meeting uh, are ready to take their bio break and you were the one woman and you need an escort to the, the ladies room. And then all of a sudden it becomes obvious that you're the only woman in the room. Up until then I could ignore it or not even see it, not recognize it, but there were those awkward moments it's, oh, okay. Or there are the military bases where you go and there isn't a, you know, a, a convenient woman's uh, restroom in some of the older buildings yeah, because buildings, that wasn't expected. Yeah, three buildings across type thing. Actually, right, I, right. I was in the pilot program in Navy and I, I, my class was the first class that had two women in it. And it's, you know, they, they did, the, the, how to structurally handle that was never thought of in, uh, you know, many of the older, uh, and, and a lot of the military installations are very old. Right, and I, I remember that we were about 50 people, and I remember someone uh, from outside the company saying to me, oh, yes, that's well, y'all have a lot of women working for you, and I thought for a minute, I said, yeah, it's about 50% of the company, that would be about right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, and it's, uh, well, and, and how has that been? I mean, you know, you know uh, 
I, I'm, you know, I mentioned, I just, I want talent. I don't want, I care what color, what gender, what, you know, political persuasion. I just want talent. But, you know, by being, you know, has that been an advantage to you in bringing talent in too, or has it been a disadvantage? I think what it has brought for me is uh, the approach that I take. I, I, I tend to be more of a team building type of person rather than uh, looking at, oh, we have to get in a room and establish a hierarchy. I, I, I tend to want to just, let's just get the job done, figure out what everyone's roles are and um, pull it together that way. Um, I, I, my background before college was I went to an all-girl Catholic school. Um, and obviously, if you're at an all-girls school, the best math student is a girl, the best uh, English student is a girl, the best physics student, again, all female, so, you know, and so growing up, you know, as I came to be a, a young woman in business, um, I didn't know that I wasn't supposed to be in these areas or I wasn't, you know, it wasn't going to be predominantly, you know, male or female. I just went in saying, well, this is what I know how to do and I'm going to do it. And it was only as I progressed, I realized, oh, okay, there aren't, there aren't a lot of women in here. Or, oh, I need an escort to the restroom. I'm the only woman. And so it's one of those things that I was aware of, but vaguely, because that's not, that's not the environment I had come from. Um, so I think it's, I almost ignored it just by habit. Well, it it wasn't an issue for me. Why should it be an issue for anyone well, else? Help, so help coach your fellow entrepreneurs who are male, okay, for a second. And one of the things that almost every industry that is kind of number oriented, for some reason, women have not been encouraged to that. And they're, you know, they're just as talented. And there's some unbelievable, I've got a stepsister who's, uh, you know, a, someone like yourself she's you know unbelievably talented in this area and math and you know it's just i see over and over again that we miss some of the talent because of our preconceived notion and and particularly in the financial services where i'm really aware there's all kinds of initiatives how do we attract really talented women to our industry and make them comfortable uh you know so that they can grow and be leaders like yourself because we you know, the world is becoming more and more competitive. We need everybody rowing together here in that team. Is there any, you know, uh, advice for your fellow entrepreneurs on how they can really, you know, create an environment that's attractive uh, for, you know, all genders? Well, I think the number one thing is just, just treat me for who I am as an expert and don't worry about the male-female part of it. A lot of the the things people do to try to overcome that actually, to me, only accentuate the, mm -hmm. the difference. Like uh, when they say, uh, you know, hello, gentlemen, and then they turn to me and say, and lady, I, I would have been fine with the first and just, <laughs> just go, you know. Um, I don't need you to point out that I'm the only woman in the room. Uh, just, 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 just keep going. Um, and... I mean, the other thing that ha I see a lot in a room, uh, you have a lot of people gathered, maybe you don't have someone who's taking notes, but the initial response will be, oh, we need someone to take notes, and nine times out of ten, they'll look around the room, and it'll get handed to a woman simply because she's a woman. And I think that almost happens without anybody thinking about it, and quite frankly, a lot of times the woman's going to offer to do it. 
because the woman's going to offer to do whatever needs to be done, just like mm -hmm. anybody else would. So they're not going to resist it. They're not going to put up a fight. And in fact, if they put up a fight, then people think, well, now it's a big deal. Yeah. So turn to the person next to you, whoever they are, male, and say, can you take the notes? Don't look around the room. Just, just pick the first one that you can. Um, and that's just an example. Uh, going through the he slash she and all these documents for a while, people were doing that. I was like, don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> just, just use standard grammar and put he. It's good for everybody. Um, I think it's just acknowledge me for what I've done. You know, acknowledge the talent, and I think we can move on no, from there. I, I totally agree. I mean, that's uh, I I am about fifty percent as well, and uh, I just uh, I mean, it's just it's talent and acknowledge that. And uh, I did do for a short period the he she thing though, and we yeah. stopped. And and I'm very quick. I, I probably overreact the other way that I don't want to call on women because they will volunteer in you know, board meetings or other things. And and it's yeah, you know, we need to really recognize we're all in this together and there's so much talent out there and that you know we've got to create environments that people want to be on our team so that we can do the amazing things you are Sally, let me go to the next segment that i'd like to go to and this is the book of the day and uh you know i'm a little worried the type of books you read here uh <laughs> Right. I'm not a big one on uh, lots of business books. I, I don't know if anything, you know, that that would be probably useful to your greater audience. I mean, my most useful book is probably Fundamentals of Radar by Skolnick. And I don't think you need to put that as a reference no, for most no. of your... <laughs> no, no. What, what I, you know, we talked about it. I thought you had a great idea. You said, well, instead of doing a book, why don't we do something that you use regularly, the Kobe? And, right, right. You know. So one thing I was exposed to with the strategic coach, and it happens the first year you're in the coach, and I've been in for eight years, but uh, the Colby Index, and it's uh, a system by Kathy Colby. Let me just, um, I'm going to put it up on the screen just for a second. It's spelled K-O-L-B-E.com, and Kathy Colby, and and um, Sally, why don't you tell us what, what it is? Because you know, if they're in strategic coach, they're used to having it on their name badge. But other than that, uh, they're not. So uh, it's, an it's a test you take online. And there are four areas of uh, thinking or problem solving that it addresses. The first is fact finder. Um, and that's how much you need to research or how many details you need to, to solve problems or do your job or approach things. Uh, there's follow through and that's your willingness or your wantingness to follow a process or establish a process and basically kind of I think of it as checklists or needing to um, lay out the plans for something and follow them. Uh, then there's a quick start. I'm really good at that. That's that's where I'm, I'm uh, very high quick start and that's your willingness for ch your your acceptance of change and and uh, I, I think of it as that's my shiny new idea uh, I get very uh, distracted and of course if you have a lower uh, value in that index you're resistant to change and then the last one is implementor which is more your need to have a physical model of something to understand it or build a physical model or a tangible model versus uh, lower indexes an abstract concept and um, what I learned with this we you know, everybody in the coach takes this uh, this index 
And for us, it's more of an acceptance of, oh, this is who I am and it's okay. You know, you go through life thinking, why am I like this? Why do I keep getting distracted? Why when someone says something, do I have 99 ideas and never follow through on any of them? But you, you take this and you realize it's okay because there are other people I can add to the team that will do the other parts and who love doing the other parts. Um, the biggest thing it's did for us in our business is you can imagine with engineers and highly technical people, you have some people who are extremes in some of these areas, especially in fact finder and follow through. And when you start putting people who are very low and very high in these ind indices um, on the same team, you can have a lot of miscommunication, misunderstanding, and the team doesn't work right. And we were experiencing a little of this in some of our uh, larger teams we were putting together. And by using the Colby, we had everybody take it. We had someone from uh, Colby Corporation uh, come on the phone and give us some lectures and some help with some of the teams. And then we understood, oh, well, um, I mean, I have a very... I have a medium fact finder. It's a four. I do enough research to have information to have an idea, but I don't know all the details to implement it. And I would get carried away. I mean, I would get overwhelmed with finding all those details. Well, I had someone on the team that we were working on that was a very high uh, fact finder. And she kept saying, she's hiding information from us. Obviously, she's hiding information because there's no way anyone could get things done like she's doing without this information. Well, in fact, she would need that information. I didn't need the information. And once we understood that and understood that together, we changed the way we communicated and realized if she needed more information, she should go research it for the group and bring it back to all of us and everyone who needed it would have it. And so it just really helped us work through how to communicate and how to build our teams. And I, I can't speak enough about it because it's no, really helpful. It's, it's really a great tool. And one of the things that's so interesting uh, in Strategic Coach, Dan is probably the biggest supporter, Dan Sullivan, uh, the head of Strategic Coach. He is a big supporter of Kathy and the Colby Index. Uh, and one of the things that was very eye-opening to me, Sally, was when I went around the first meeting when I had it done and looking at my fellow entrepreneurs' name tags and seeing that you know entrepreneurs come in a whole bunch of different models too i mean you and i are aligned actually i'm a real quick quick starter and i do like research i've got a whole research arm but i don't need as much as my research people to, right. to go do it and i do like shiny new things and i i need those other people to keep me in check you know so that you know that it's assembling the team knowing each other's and then it, all of a sudden we get it you know and we're you know, we both, you know, they're, what's the matter with them? Why do they have to have all this or that? Or, and I found it very useful as well. And I would encourage everybody, let me just, you know, I, we'll put it in the show notes again. You can go to aesnation.com and we'll have the whole transcript of the interview as well as all the links that Sally and I talk about, including Kobe. Let me go to the next uh, section here, Sally. And this is the application of the day. I, you know, what I'm looking for is, you know, for your fellow entrepreneurs, something you actually use in your smartphone that's been a great tool for you. Okay, again, I'm going to go back to another co coach item, and that's uh, Winstreak. And that's an application that they've just put out. Um, Dan talks about every night writing down three, you know, three big wins for the day. It puts you in a great, great confidence area before you go to bed. 
and then you write down three big wins for the next day. So the reason I like this tool so much is not so much, well, I mean, I love writing down my three big wins for the day because it, it just makes me happy that things have, things have happened. But the best part about it for me is writing down the three big wins for the next day because I realize when I write those down, I pick the three issues or problems that I wish I could get solved the next day. And I think somehow by going to bed on that note, my brain is working on them. The Got subconscious it. starts working, and when I wake up in the morning, I basically have the answers to them, and they're no longer the big deal. I find other big things to, to accomplish that day because I've already solved them overnight. Yeah, it, it is. There's a whole you know, uh, uh, positive psychology uh, this is all built around, and it's a great tool. As a matter of fact, uh, let me put it up the, so everybody has it. Uh, it's Windstreak. You can just Google it, and uh, you can pull it up. It's available both in and the uh, App Store for iPhone and uh, on Google for Android. But the, the, uh, it just got written up in, I think it was Forbes magazine. Right. They get someone, we, we were together in a coaching program and uh, uh, Kathy Davis uh, shared, she's one of the key people at Strategic Coach and had been one of the project leaders on this that they had just gotten written up as the number one in this one best of 10 business application. So, as biased as Sally is and I am, the, the rest of the world's starting to see the value of this. So I would definitely encourage everyone to uh, really uh, take a look at it. Let me go. And I, I've given it to a bunch of my employees and they love using it. So it's something that it's not just for you, it's for the people who work around you because it, it, it actually benefits the entire yeah, team. It, well, and it, it really what I like is it's that positive focus, you know, that. You know, so often uh, there's a concept that Dan talks called uh, mind the gap and that, you know, you're here, you set this big goal and you don't quite hit that big goal. And most of us as entrepreneurs get all caught up that, you know, we're, we're just, we failed. I mean, you know, that gap between we're actual, uh, the ideal and actual is just big. And we forget to look back and, you know, we kind of started the interview of just saying, looking back at the progress, you know, over your career, Sally, the impact that you've made, the number of people that you've helped, uh, you know, the difference you've made in the world. And, and it's easy to lose track of that. And when we start doing it on a daily basis and start, you know, not focusing on the mind can go immediately to the negative things, but we focus on the difference we made in that day. It's huge. And then, you know, you said it really well, the focusing, you know, at the end of the day before we're, we go to bed and, okay, these are the things that are going to be wins tomorrow. You know, you prioritize, you're there, you visualize it. Now, I don't know about you. I, I found that sometimes I don't actually get those wins, but more often than not, I do. And uh, th that's really the power of this. Right. I, I, I always say the next day I might write those down as my wins for that day, but often they weren't they they aren't as big as I thought they were because I've already solved them and I have three other ones to add to the list. Yeah. So it, it's all good. It's all positive. No, this is something as entrepreneurs, we're really blessed that we get to make a difference. And this is you know one of the best tools to do it on a daily basis. Let's go to the next segment. This is resources. And Sally, you know, I, I don't know, you know, a lot of times I'm, I've got gurus and experts on the line, you know, or in the video that we're, we're filming and they've got all kinds of things on their website. I'm gonna pull up your website because I'm sure a whole bunch of people, including me, uh, when we first met, I, I immediately Googled you and looked at your website and pulling it up and, 
you know, there it's uh, you know got um, all kinds of military things going on because you're you know you're you're very crucial. I mean, the, what you do, uh, I, I love uh, the slogan "Protecting those who protect us." I mean, that's so it's uh, you know mission critical type elements, and you know one of the things. Having been in the military, I, I, I'm a total believer that I want to arm anybody who puts himself in harm's way. I want to make sure they're extremely well prepared. So, uh, so if you want to see what Sally's doing, you can take a look at the website and everything that's not top secret is there. <laughs> well, let, let me go to the last segment here. And this is key takeaway, Sal, and I just want to go over what I, I've learned. I mean, I've got you know, a whole bunch of notes here. And, you know, the, the one thing that I look at and, and, you know, you started by saying you were the accidental, accidental entrepreneur. And I'll tell you, you're a phenomenal entrepreneur. And you, what you did is you seize the opportunity. I mean, you know, all of us, the train only goes by every once in a while and, and it's easy to miss. And as entrepreneurs, no matter what level you're at, there are opportunities. Now, as you have more success, one of the biggest challenges is we've got to, you know, have a great team to keep us from trying to get on too many trains of opportunity here. But you've seized and you gave us a couple of great examples. And you want to keep your eyes open for opportunity because there's so many out there. And at the level you're at, you have the ability to skip levels by finding the right opportunity. So number one. Number two, the, the advice I love, uh, and mainly because I'm a big believer in it, because I, did, I didn't do it in the beginning in my first couple businesses, and later on, I just, you know, find the expert. Find somebody who's proven, you know, do it ideally in a community where you know people that know people, and it's introduced. It's not a Google search, you know, who's the expert at this type thing, but find the expert. You can bring in a consultant. They're really inexpensive compared to you learning how to do it and taking a, you away from the opportunity cost. And then the third uh, is really focus on team building. Understand the strengths, and I don't want to call it weaknesses. You know, the, what people are good at and how they think about it. And, and the Colby Index is just so powerful a tool to do that. So. Sally, I, I really appreciate the time today and your willingness to share with your fellow entrepreneurs all these insights. Well, I really enjoyed it. I, I thank you for asking me to do this. It was, it was a wonderful experience, and I'll go, to, go home with a very positive focus, having looked at how, how we got to where we are today, and, and I'm going home happy. Well, and, and you know what? And everyone out there should take this moment for a quick positive focus, which is just taking a look at the progress you've made over the years. You're successful entrepreneurs. You're making a difference. But we have more opportunity ahead. And you know, the, your current clients, your future clients, and all your strategic partners are counting on you. So go out and make a difference. Wish you the best of success. Thank you, John. Exceptional, remarkable breakthroughs. AESNation.com.